Welcome to Simple Tech Talk, innovative topics and creative introductions to the marketplace. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Simple Tech Talk, where we take what can be considered complex and break it down into easy to understand language. And it should be easy to understand why we are so excited to have half of Board Active's technology team right here in studio. So let's introduce them. Of course, we have Hunter Brennick, VP of Engineering, and Michael Carlson, VP of Technology. Hunter, let's start with you. What is it like to be the vice president of engineering for a B2B SaaS company. To me, it sounds like a lot of coding. Yeah, coding for Board Active is cool. Doug lets, gives us the freedom to work remotely, which is really great because um, I'm an easily distracted person. So I'm able to get a lot of work done from home. And me and Michael work really well together. We've worked together for about 10 years now. We have a lot of experience there. And we are able to be, work remotely very effectively, I think. Oh, definitely, Hunter. It shows in y'all's work. Michael Carlson, what say you, of course, serving as vice president of technology at Board Active Software? I'd never worked with any type of like geolocation stuff, but was always fascinated by it. So it's a cool opportunity to explore that technology. So let's back it up to how you guys met founder and CEO Doug Pittman and the relationship that you guys have together. We started contracting for Board Active around uh, March 2017 and has actually through a mutual friend that we met, um, Jeff Gray, and he, they needed someone to do their mobile app, and they were in shambles. They were like, we have an investor meeting in two days. We need this to work. So me and Hunter came in, and they explained the problem to us, and then pretty much we spent um, that whole day getting up to speed on what they needed, and then the entire next day, pretty much 24 hours of solid, just straight coding on their mobile app to get it to work for their mobile investor meeting. And after that, Doug was, <laughs> he was asking for us to join the company full time pretty much. So I think he, he had a good first impression of us. Oh, for sure. A great and lasting impression. Hunter, how did these events affect your decision to partner with Board Active as your career choice? I mean, we contracted for a few months after that. We had to finalize some stuff with some other companies, and I wasn't sure I wanted to stay in Atlanta, so I was actually interviewing on the West Coast at the time. But Doug made an offer that me and Michael couldn't refuse, and he gave us the freedom to work remotely, control of the product so we could design it ourselves. So it was kind of an opportunity we couldn't pass up on, so we took it. Right. So similar stories, how you guys both met Doug. How have you guys been able to work together in tandem to create such a dynamic experience within the Board Active platform? We have a lot of experience uh, designing products and working together. I think like our background in startups as well as our background from Georgia Tech made it so that we're able to, we kind of have a, a, a process to design and roll out these products that we've refined over the years. You know, the last two years at Georgia Tech, they basically just group you into, you know, groups and have you design and build a product over like a year. And then while we were doing that, you know, me and Michael worked at a few startups and refined our process of working together, designing products, roadmapping them and releasing features. And yeah, I mean, I guess over time that's evolved to where we are today. Right. I wouldn't say it's like perfect or like yeah. exactly written down, yeah. but we kind of, we have a flow that we usually do or we like talk about the ideas we'll wireframe them that's mostly hunter doing like the design part of it and then we'll work together on like how it works exactly and we try to really just like break it down to the most fundamental aspects of like what is a user trying to do and like what should they be able to do right so 
we try to make it as simple as possible, but also very clean and um, user friendly. Oh, absolutely. As somebody that hasn't ever worked in the tech sector, approaching this platform is refreshing, right? Because the interface side is really approachable looking at it and the experience too. It's robust yet simple to use. And anybody that's experienced a demo can speak to that firsthand. So tell me about how working for those previous startups helped shape and mold you into the experience that is working for a startup like Board Active. Yeah. Um, I'll say this, like I probably learned more in the first like year and a half that I was out of school working for a startup than I did more practical knowledge, at least than I did in school. Amen. When I got out, I was like a little overwhelmed at first because I was like, well, I don't know how to like do this. I never worked on a large scale project really before. So there was a lot to learn. And we're going to start too. Everyone has to wear multiple hats. So it's not like you're just doing work on this one piece of code, this one feature, you know, it's like you have to work on a bunch of features. You also have to do like help with some marketing stuff. You also have to help with some sales stuff. And so it wasn't just coding that I learned, which was really has really helped, I think, with the contracting and then also at Board Active as well. I would echo Michael's statement there. I think the biggest thing that we took away is we had to wear a lot of hats and you kind of just have to figure it out on your own which I think is kind of the startup culture. We're now working for Doug and at Board Active, that's only, we now have even more independence and are wearing more hats than we were at our previous startup. Because, I mean, honestly, there's just less technical people here, so we have less right. conversations about decisions. Yeah. So we, the, it kind of comes down to just us. That but. was the thing, too. The last startup was, like, everyone in that company was technical. Yeah, everyone Everyone a was Tech, a Georgia CSP, Tech computer CSP, science right. major. So it was a bunch of technical guys, and then we were trying to figure out how to do marketing um, yeah. and sales and things like that and business management, which we were not educated on exactly. So we ended up hiring some people who helped with that a bit, but mostly Hunter and then me, but mostly Hunter, <laughs> we were doing the marketing. Um, and so, like... It was interesting because it was a whole new field to you know educate ourselves on, but I think that it really changed the way I saw like marketing products mm -hmm. and like helped me as a developer as well because I was starting to use the tools that we were kind of creating, and so I'm like, okay, like now I'm actually using mm -hmm. this, I can understand like some of the problems that we might have and want to solve. So, so I've heard it said that both of you guys, if you wanted to, could be working at Google. You are that smart. We've seen your knowledge on display within the platform. What keeps you at board active? I think like what we said earlier, I mean, Google isn't gonna let me work remotely. And at a company at the size of Google, you wear one hat. And for so long, I've worn so many hats that I feel like as an individual, I wouldn't be bettering myself if I limit myself to one hat. I've put so many hours into other verticals such as marketing, onboarding, um, you know, retargeted ad campaigns, just random stuff in marketing and customer success, such as like help articles that I feel like if I were to go work for Google, I would be coding 12 hours a day on a very small gear of a giant machine. Hmm. Right. And I feel like the things that I get passionate about in life, I need to have ownership of, or I need to have like control of. Right. I know that I'm a better programmer than all those other things. And I know that the fact that I can program is like what pays the bills, but those other things I really enjoy and get passionate about, and especially digital marketing. You can see your numbers grow 
and you can see directly the impact it has on the bottom line and the top line. Right. Unlike building a really nice product. Building a really nice product won't get you revenue. What gets you revenue is driving traffic and having that traffic convert. Marketing to me is really cool in that it has a much closer proximity to the overall health of the business. Wow, that's yeah. a really dynamic answer to a very simple question. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto to what um, he said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the freedom that we get and also, yeah, the control. Like, having more control, I think, makes you feel more motivated and have more passion towards what you're working on. Working at Google, working on the same thing like Hunter said, like, you're also going to be surrounded by people who are really smart, too, but you're working on things like no offense to anyone that is doing QA, but you're like doing QA and like you can do more, you want to do more, but you have to work your way up this ladder at Google and all things like that. And they try to keep you in the office at Google. Like they give you food and stuff. They're trying to keep you there all the time. And so it can kind of feel like create this sort of like bubble that Mm -hmm. you never get out of. I I think I would always choose a startup over a corporation right now, just pretty much for what the same reasons Hunter said. So I really want to get into the board active platform here in a moment. But I still want to kind of pick your brains as to, you know, the beginnings and where we are now as a company, right? And you talked about the importance of marketing and tech, the MarTech stack. Tell me how Board Active fits into that for brand apps per se and how important a sound and competent MarTech stack is in y'all's opinion. So I think in your traditional MarTech stack, you have, and I'll try to break this down pretty simply, but I'm sure companies have way more complex stacks, but you know, the essentials are you have some tool to spread awareness, aka get people to your website. You have tools to engage with people when they get to your website. And then once you engage with them, you try to move them down into being a free user or a trial user. And then from there, you have tools to try to convert them into a paying customer. So tools that you would use to convert them into paying a customer would be like Intercom or MailChimp. Tools to engage them at the very top level just to spread awareness would be like Google AdWords, Facebook ads. And then you have to capture their email and you can put them in a retargeting ad campaign, et cetera, et cetera. So where I think Board Active fits is obviously they already need to be an existing user of the mobile app. So we're obviously not at the top layer of the marketing stack because we have nothing to do with awareness. We're not spreading awareness of anything. People already have the app downloaded Hmm. and Board Active then can engage. So I actually look at us as the very bottom of the MarTech stack. So after they're already users, Board Active can be used to either convert free users into paying customers, they can be used to upsell paying customers, or it can be used to retain customers that are slipping away. Those are the three primary functions, in my opinion, of Board Active and why it sticks or sits at the bottom of the marketing stack. So I think companies should be considering Board Active if they have a mature marketing stack already established. Mm. So they already have, you know, Salesforce is their CRM, MailChimp is their email automation system, Google Analytics to do all of their analytical information on traffic, and they have Google AdWords and Display Network running on like Facebook. So after all that is set up, that is when you'd use Board Active. Yeah, like upselling and user retention. Yeah, yeah. Like if you can just increase your profit by 3% on you know, 1 million revenue, it's insane. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, those numbers are staggering. And you talked about Board Active and where it fits, right, within a MarTech stack. But let's talk about how Board Active sets itself apart. Look, it's no secret there's a lot of competition with location-based push notifications, right? Right. Not the only show in town. But in y'all's opinion, you've been with this company for some time. You've seen the changes. 
and you've seen the dynamic features of the platform as it's changed. What sets the board active platform apart from the competition in y'all's opinion? Mm, I think that you don't need a PhD to learn it. I think that's yeah. probably the biggest thing. You know, I've, I've been studying MarTech tools for like eight years now and been in the MarTech space for a while, co-founded two MarTech companies. And in my opinion, usually the guy with the loudest megaphone wins. It's not the best product, which is sad. What typically happens when a company is deciding between you know, B2B MarTech products is the marketer goes out, researches a few tools. They probably go to Trustpilot or G2Radius.com, Captera, Alternate 2. They look to see, okay, I need mobile push notifications. They look at the top three things that have you know, good reviews. They go to those websites. They see one or two they really like the copy of, and then they forward that to their tech guy. Their tech guy says, okay, this one actually is good. These engineers look talented. This code looks good. Let's use this one. So a lot of times, the newest product that might be the best product is completely overlooked, which is really sad as like an engineer uh, at a startup that is involved in the product. I think personally why Board Active is a much better decision than our com competition and, you know, obviously we believe this because we, we wouldn't have worked here, nor right. would Board Active be started if we didn't believe there was a problem, is that really what people want to do is they want to send a notification to the phone. That's it. It's really simple process. But the problem is over time, these other companies, they hire all these engineers, right? And these engineers are over in their department and they're expensive. They have high paying salaries. And they finally build the features that they need, all right? They can go to market now. But then what do the engineers work on? And this is why these products get fat, bloated, cumbersome, and clunky. Is because they have these engineers sitting there and they need them to do something. So they put them in a room, think of ideas, and they just code. And they add features to their app that really take away from the core essence of what people want, which is to send, in our space, mobile push notifications. We are taking an opposite approach where when we hit a feature set that we want, instead of just building random features and adding them to the app, we polish the ones that we already have to make those workflows faster and more efficient. I think another big differentiator, which a lot of startups will claim, is that we're just smaller. So, you know, being smaller means that you can pick up the phone and call me directly and I can talk about the product with you. And if you have an issue and you message me about it at 1 p.m. on a Tuesday, I could have it deployed and fixed in production by 2 p.m. on the same day. I think that's the biggest difference is uh, those two things. Yeah, I agree. Especially um, us being small, we can take customer requests, work a lot more closely with our customers and clients, get their feedback. And that's something that's really important. Like Hunter talked about, is like there can be a lot of feature bloat in these products that have been around for so long have these huge engineering teams because they don't know what to work on exactly. But they're not always getting the next feature they should be working on from their clients. And to me, that's what's really important is talking to your clients, figuring out what do you need in this product that will make you more efficient, that will help you make better decisions, or that will help you retain your users better. So let's talk about the need that's addressed with board active software, right? Let's say you had a brand app in an elevator in a 40 floor building. What would be your elevator pitch in a minute or two to those individuals? 
Oh man, I'm not a sales guy, but uh. <laughs> I would just say it's like uh, the simplest way to send location-based push notifications without getting an engineer involved. Mm. I think that's the biggest problem is a lot of times there's a, a communication overhead between marketing and engineering with these products. Engineering has to get involved, which frustrates them because they're working on something else. And marketing gets frustrated because they need another person in another vertical, in another department. In order for them to do their job, they need to communicate with this other person that doesn't speak their language. Right. So we basically remove the need for that bridge. Right. And we make it so that an engineer doesn't have to continuously maintain a push notification stack or continuously update their mobile code to support the newest location tracking services. Right. They just have to plop our code in there and then marketing can get all the data they want and send all the messaging they need. So would it be fair to assert that simplicity is the foundation of this platform and why it's grown to be what it is? Yeah. I would think so. so. Yeah, I, I think, think simplicity is a big win for sure. I think also all kind of goes back to how like me and Hunter kind of work on products and just trying to make it as simple as possible. And that's always been kind of like our goal with this product especially is just make it as simple as possible because I wish you could see the first version that we came in here to of uh, Board Active. It was highly complex, so many screens you had to go to just to create one geofence, and that one geofence was always tied to one message. So there wasn't a lot of ability to reuse things you've already created. You had to create the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. I think a lot of times, <laughs> I think our competition believes that the more tabs they add to their app, the better it is, honestly. The more features and the more random icons we have all over the screen, then the more professional our app is, right? And sadly, I think a lot of people agree with that. To me, form should follow function, right? It's like you should only build something to fit the exact purpose it's, it's trying to solve. Right. And I feel like a lot of times our competitions doing function follows form where they're building these incredibly elaborate tools to do something very simple. So let's talk a little bit about what you just mentioned, right? The user experience, UX over UI and the feature bloat, as you coined it, Michael. Go into how those terms and trends are applied in this space and also how Board Active overcomes the temptation to follow its competition. I mean, I think as far as following the temptation, I think that we've kind of learned from our past experiences at startups that, you know, we've built features that we were like, this is such a great idea, like everyone's going to use this or whatever. And then we put it out there and maybe like 2% of the people use it and they'll use like one part of it. So... What we realized, I think, was that we just needed to have a better way to assess which features need to be created, go a little bit slower on those, and focus more on the features we already have and making those better than they were before. It's just a safer approach, I think, and one that prevents us from working on things that end up not you know, really being used. Hunter can probably talk more about the UI side of it. But. Yeah, I mean, I think that... Michael's correct, you know, we do put a, a huge emphasis on UX and UI, and I think that the more features you add to a product, the more it becomes harder to understand. A good parallel would be, like, there's companies out there that focus on a single product, and, and that's all they're known for, such as Rolex. Rolex makes a watch, right? It's the best watch. 
and I'm sure they have a ton of watchmakers on hand and those watchmakers are probably engineers, right? And there's downtime there. So they could totally have those engineers, I don't know, start working on like tennis shoes or t-shirts, but just because they can do that doesn't mean they should do that. Mm. Everyone would no longer think of Rolex as the best watchmaker. They would think of them as like this company that's a fashion company. And I think the same thing happens in the B2B SaaS space. Um, it's like we are building a push notification service. We are not building an in-app mobile engagement marketing platform or some other right. hoo-ha that they want to throw buzzwords around. It's like right. we solve a simple problem and it's a simple tool. And I think that our competition also solves a simple problem with a very complex tool. Yeah. The other thing, like especially with feature blow, like they keep adding the features, but as a new user, when you come into something, if there's 50 different features, you feel overwhelmed that you need to learn how to use them all or else you're missing out, right? Mm. And then it's like, it becomes overwhelming to them and they can potentially get bogged down and be like, well, I already have this other system that works and I already know how to use it. So it's like, it's harder to get people to jump over from other existing platforms that they're already using. Right. Um, so keeping it simple, keeping it small, I think is good in the beginning, especially. You know, there's companies like MailChimp who they were started out as like an email marketing platform and now they do landing pages and like they're trying to become essentially a one-stop shop for everything marketing related. And I mean, they've been around for so long, like 15 years or something like that now. And I think it's okay to do that once you reach a certain level, a certain size. But the thing is in their platform, it's still very simple. Like they, the emailing, I mean, emails are simple to begin with, so it's not that hard, but... (laughs) But you they, log in, it looks small exactly. compared to Salesforce. Exactly. It's, it's not like, overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If anyone's ever logged into Salesforce or hasn't logged into Salesforce, just do it once and you'll understand that it can be so complex sometimes that it's just overwhelming, especially for small companies. Um, it, it, yeah. It amazes me know how where to simple start. MailChimp's able to keep their product exactly. for how complex it is. Yeah. We, yeah. Like we draw a lot of inspiration from them for sure. Yeah, and complexity can kind of deter people from using a platform, yeah. right? And I love how you talked about a couple of the problems that Board Active software solves, right? Like sending those location-based push notifications. But there's also a feature that really raises eyebrows, and that's the users feature, right. which helps solve the problem of linking that point of impression to a point of sale. Go into the design behind the user's side of the platform and what it can accomplish for businesses of all sizes and scope. For the user's platform, we drew a lot of inspiration from Intercom, actually. We really like Intercom. We've used Intercom for seven years, probably. You know, they're not quite where MailChimp is in terms of, like, simplicity and complexity. But, you know, they have a great product and they have a great user's tab. So, I mean, we looked a lot at them. They have a similar, like, uh, send messages to users based on things. Um, So we really, like, just took a lot of inspiration from them. A little bit from Full Story too. They had a, a pretty nice user yeah. filtering, yeah. but mostly we looked at Intercom because it was the same type of platform. You know, like Intercom is a messaging <laughs> platform as well, and we took a lot of inspiration from that. Yeah, that's pretty it, much how it goes with every feature set. It's like right. when we know we, we when we decide that we want to build a feature for our reasons, whatever they may be, we go and look for similar examples. You know, right. like good artists borrow, great artists steal, kind of stuff. Exactly. Um, but, I mean, you go all over the internet, everything kind of looks the same. There's list views, details views, drop-down menus, mm-hmm. calendars. Like, it's all the same, just mixed up different ways. And we always knew that we wanted to do the user's feature before, even before we did it. We knew we wanted to have some type of retargeting in our platform because that was what was going to make it 
that much more powerful. And I think once you explain to people how it works and that you can do, you can send messages to specific audiences and like people will fall in and out of audiences. Like I think they really start to understand like, okay, this is a lot more powerful than just sending push notifications. So you guys could be anywhere doing anything. You've stuck with this company for some time. Where do you see this going as far as the technology, board active, and how those two things merge together? Well, unlike our previous startup, Doug, our CEO, seems like he's prepared for the endgame situation a little more. It seems like he has a clear exit strategy, which I'm not going to reveal right now, but I'm confident in it. I think that the fact that Doug had the foresight to start getting patents for our technology before it was built might have been a brilliant decision. Mm. We'll see how it plays out. It's definitely new to me. I've never been involved in, in a startup that takes a patent angle. I think it's really interesting. It obviously requires a lot more money than just building yeah. a product and going to market. Right. Sure. I'm really interested to see how it plays out. You know, clearly we have competition. And if our patent basically contains our product, then all of our competitors are infringing on it. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens. Right. Yeah. I think that... You know, unlike our previous startups, I think it's really cool how Doug has at least a clear exit strategy. Yeah, he's persistent. He's not going to shy away just because someone says they don't like his yeah. idea. Doug's right. If anything, yeah. that motivates him more. He's a bull. Which is, yeah, yep. exactly what you need for a startup CEO. Yeah. Yeah. So generally speaking, when we're on our mobile phones, we spend 90% of that time on mobile apps. Talk about the disparity in society that people think... Uh, web apps are still taking precedence and still the thing of the future. And mobile apps can be too complex, too hard to navigate, privacy, all that stuff, and how it weighs in, and how Board Active solves and alleviates those doubts and concerns. I blame the complexity of mobile apps on Apple and Google. <laughs> what, are they, what are they doing the other 10% of the time they're on their phone? They're just Are they just staring at it? Maybe calling people? Yeah. <laughs> I think web apps, there was like this long period of time uh, a few years ago where progressive web apps were the wave. Everyone thought that you were going to be able to code some JavaScript web app and then port it to the iPhone, you know, the Apple store. LinkedIn had a progressive web app. And I think overall, that's panned out to not really work. Right. I think what's happened is native SDKs have gotten more and more advanced. And the JavaScript ones are constantly trying to keep up, like Ionic and Cordova. Right. So basically what's happened is that if you want to access native tools that those operating systems provide, such as location services, notification services, the phone, maybe Siri, you're always going to be a few steps behind if you have a progressive yep. web app. So I think, as you see today, all of everyone's going native uh, mobile apps. But I think still people go to web apps on their phone. Like I open Google Chrome and I open web apps all the time. So I think that means that web apps are just going to have to more and more so support mobile devices in the sense that like if I were to pull up boardactive.com on my phone, mm -hmm. it would be mobile responsive and I would be able to use all the functionality for the most part right. without being you know, a worry. But that's a lot of code and that's like a whole feature set roadmap. That's not simple. So I think that more companies are going to be prioritizing like mobile layouts for their web platforms. Yeah. 
So let's say one of the board active clients is on the road and they have a great idea for a mobile campaign that wants to, that they want to launch tomorrow. Yep. Does board active have a feature that they can do that on their mobile phone currently? So right now our app is like in a transition to becoming mobile responsive. Certain things within the app I made mobile responsive, mainly because Doug's always on his phone and he doesn't want to like pull up his laptop. Right. So like the, <laughs> the the things that Doug does in the app are mobile responsive. Over time, we'll make more and more things mobile responsive. And if there's a demand from that for one of our customers that's always on the road, I mean, right. I would like totally carve out a weekend and make the whole app mobile responsive if that's what they wanted. Right. So what are some of the biggest demands that you guys have met from clients of Board Active? A lot of time in the early stages, the tech team kind of, well, first the marketing team wants to know that our technology can do everything that they need. So a lot of times me and Michael aren't in on those conversations. But once they've decided, yes, we're going to go ahead, then the engineers come in. And that's when we'll do a lot of handholding, um, mm -hmm. tri like typically, because they don't want to break their mobile app. And it's literally less work for them if we do it. So they'll take advantage of us, leverage us. And we'll help them get the SDK in their app. Once the SDK is in their app, then their engineers don't really have to worry about it anymore. We will release updates, and they might have to run like pod update or pod install on their terminal. But besides that, it transitions fully into a marketing effort. And then you guys take over again. You might help them craft campaigns, pitch ideas with them. Really, there's like a few phone calls, though, where we have to work with the engineering team to get it set up. And that's about it, honestly. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're always there to answer phone calls or like talk them through problems. Right now, we're working with companies and we take feature requests all the time. And we're actively adding those and prioritizing those on our roadmap. Um, just like right now, for example, one of our clients wants, an, wants a way to import thousands of geofences at once mm -hmm. instead of having to build them within our application. So Michael is coding a way for them to do that on our back end directly. Right. Over time, we'll put that on our front end as well so people can just drag and drop a file and boom, 5,000 places, 5,000 geofences. Right. But that's just one example of how we take care of our customers. Yeah. When you get requests from customers, it's important to listen, but it's also important not to immediately create something for them, I think. You want to make it possible to do that as soon as possible, right? So like with the geofences, like I'm trying to make it so that we can have those geofences in our app as soon as possible for them. But if you create this feature without talking to other customers, if you just talk to one customer and create the feature, there's a potential that the feature you create isn't reusable except for by that one customer. Yeah, so, so like something in the franchisee model. Right, so it's like you have to be careful. Like Obviously, we want to get it out there and want them to be able to use it as soon as possible. But we need to make sure that it can be reused by, you know, 80% of our user base as well. Otherwise, it's something that should probably be done more manually than programmatically. Got you. Yeah, a lot of times when you're getting input from a, a client, they'll try to tell you what the problem is and how they want it fixed. So they'll tell you, like, how it should be designed or how it should be in the app. You should totally ignore all of the how. You should only focus on the what. What yeah. is the problem? Because... Mm -hmm. If you focus on the how, then you already have the solution. You've already designed it. It's done, right? And uh, they don't have a full understanding of the product, the background of the company, or the other clients. So really what we try to focus on is what is the problem when we're in that conversation and not how to fix it. So once we fully understand what the problem is, then we right. can move on from there.
Okay, cool. So what I want to do is kind of go back to the ROI loop. So at the point of impression, when the user receives that push notification that Board Active help provide with the brand app that they're working with, how exactly does the user's portion of the platform close that ROI loop? So essentially how it works is we're tracking, you know, how your mobile users engage with the messages you send them. And based on that, you can create certain custom events and things like that in our platform. So a custom event you create is spent money or, you know, purchased something. And then back in our platform, you can actually filter the users based on that value. So I think we called it revenue when we were testing. Um, and so what you could do is, you know, someone walks into your store or they walk into your geofence, they receive a notification, they go to your store, and now they use something, that notification to spend money. And we would have to work a little bit with their tech team as well on this one. But they could send our back end how much money that mobile user sent, and then we could store that. And then in our platform, they could create audiences based on, you know, if they wanted to say, like, how much money people spent or if the, you know, revenue value was over zero. And then they could start sending messages just to those people as mm. well. So you can send messages to audiences that you create. Wow, and all through retargeting efforts within the platform. Yeah. That's amazing. So for the longest time, physical marketing, newspapers, magazines, billboards, you know, an ad on your TV, they have no idea whether or not you looked at it, you read it, and if it had any influence at all on you buying it. So they have no idea. You spend, you know, $100,000 on a billboard on downtown Hollywood. Okay. How much money did that bring you? No one has an answer, and they right. never will. What Board Active does, and the opposite is true for digital marketing. And that is why companies love digital marketing, because they can put a budget to it, and they can see for every $1 spent, we make $1.50, or we make $1.25. And they can right. break it up into demographics. They could even be like, we want to target females from Nebraska that believe in this, this, and this, right? You can't do that with a billboard. For us, what Doug's vision from the beginning has been is to somehow figure out if you have a billboard, how much money is that making you? If you have an ad, if you run some campaign that has a physical uh, location, does that actually have any influence on your sales? Mm -hmm. And what Board Active lets you do is tie that ROI loop together. So for a simple example, we could put a geofence around a billboard that's on a highway, let's say Chick-fil-A's. You drive past that, we send you a promotion. Hey, take the next exit, get a drink if you buy a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Awesome. Does the person actually go? Well, Board Active lets you draw a geofence then around the Chick-fil-A as well. So they get the message to the first one, Something happens in our back end where we keep track of that user. And then we also continue to watch that user to see if they go to the Chick-fil-A. Mm -hmm. And if they do, we mark that as a, a completed goal within our system. So you see a little percentage within our platform that says like 50% of the people that we sent this notification to actually went to the store. Yeah. So it's actually giving you somewhat of an insight into how these things are performing. Right. It isn't a perfect system yet. However, it is so far beyond what currently exists. What currently exists is nothing, no data, nothing. You have no insight. You just know how much money you spent. Board Active tells you how many people actually follow up and go to the store. Right. 
And not only that, but one of the things I love about the board active software is that you could day part that Chick-fil-A campaign so users don't receive it on a Sunday. So go into some more of the problems that the software solves for brand apps and out-of-home companies. There's like limitless uh, <laughs> answers. For example, you could create an audience within Board Active that says, put users into this audience if they have not been to my Chick-fil-A store within two weeks. So we would tag that audience as slipping away. Hmm. We're losing them. We haven't retained them. So we might send them a notification to anyone in that audience that goes into that audience, any new user that enters that audience, hey, we notice we haven't seen you in two weeks. We miss you. Come by. Another example is if they start to slip away and we geofence their, our competition stores, like the Wendy's down the block, mm. and we see that you're walking into Wendy's every day now, we could send you a notification the moment you walk into that Wendy's, <laughs> hey, man, you're a trader? Like, <laughs> what's up? Why aren't yeah. you coming to Chick-fil-A anymore? So it depends on your use case. And if we circle back to like the three biggest ones, which were getting new customers, upselling, and retention, there's endless possibilities under those three things. Right. I would take very similar approaches to the push notification space as I would my email marketing campaigns. Mm -hmm. And in case you're just joining us, we are with two thirds of the board active tech team, Mr. Hunter Brennick and Hi, Mr. Michael Carlson. <laughs> yeah. So you talked a little bit about converting customers from the competition back to your store. And the board active platform allows for that, right? By sending messages to a primary place and then redirecting them to the desired fenced area, but then knowing exactly what they do once they get to that conversion zone or secondary place. Right. Are there platforms currently that do that as well? I mean, there's other platforms where you can go in and geofence your competition. I think the term is geoconquesting. So that does exist right now, currently. But I don't know if it's as simple to do it as it is in ours. And... We also do have that secondary geofence, so we'll tell you, okay, they were at their competition, and then they went to your store after that. So we've talked a lot about where you've been, where you are, and where you guys believe Board Active is going as a company, right? But where do you see the geotargeting space going? One thing is that I think the way people think about notifications and location privacy and things like that is changing. I mean, like, look at GDPR, those types of things that have come out in the last few years. I think we'll see more of a push towards not allowing location to be, like, known. So, and, like, a lot of people, too, will disable notifications. So it, be, it becomes really important to be sending relevant notifications and to be explaining why you want certain permissions to users. Especially, especially. I feel like older generations, they just say yes. They don't really yeah. even think about it. I think it's like the younger ones it, that are like, yeah. nah, you're not getting my location. Maybe we're biased, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree, though. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, sometimes there are some apps that I do allow location to track because I value the service that it brings. Like, I see the value in giving it that permission. So one of the filters that is available within the platform is the ability to know which app users haven't enabled location sharing right. and which app users have elected to not 
be sent push notifications, right? Correct. So the software could provide a list of people to export into your CRM like HubSpot of app users who perhaps haven't been given the value prop to steer them to allow exactly. for location sharing and notification mm -hmm. pushes. That's really powerful stuff. So as we talked about at the top of this podcast, using the software as a complement to your MarTech stack, any worthwhile promotional campaign does need to involve mobile. And so that that is the outlet that Board Active can help fill. Right. And yeah, I totally agree. I think that mobile being more connected to the rest of the marketing stack, like email campaigns and mobile events triggering email campaigns, things like that are going to be happening more frequently, especially because of like the location stuff. So that's a perfect example. It's like if one of your mobile users, you can tell like they don't have location permissions turned on, they don't have notification permissions turned on. There's no way you can reach them through the mobile app anymore. Right. So you have to, you know, use a different medium. So email, et cetera, or they use your website, use your website. But I think having it be tied more into the marketing stack is definitely happening already. What do you say to brands and businesses that say, you know what, we don't need a mobile app to reach our consumers. We have social media marketing. We have a website. You can even access our website on the go from a mobile browser. What would you say to them to steer them toward building a mobile app? Or do they even need a mobile app? Um... I would probably break down the unit economics for them. So if they have a brick-and-mortar store, and let's just say their brick-and-mortar store runs like 1 million revenue. They have a 1 million ARR, right? And on average, in an annual year, they get 10,000 unique people to enter the store. Okay, so a million ARR, 10,000 unique people. Average person spends $100 a year. So what I would tell him is that what if you could instead increase that 1 million revenue by 10%? So instead of 10,000 unique people visiting, or maybe all those 10,000 people, they don't have to come to the store anymore. They can just buy it online. Mm. They can buy it on the mobile app. Also, loyalty programs have been proven to increase engagement, drive sales, upsell, etc. But I would probably break down like basic unit economics and be like, okay, it'll probably cost you $10,000 to get your mobile app developed. In the first year, if you're at a million ARR and you just increase your profit or your revenue by 5% and you have a 30% profit margin, you've covered the cost 3x. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You made 30 grand extra that year, it cost you 10 grand. And then it's evergreen after that, besides basic maintenance. So you're like basically saying you can't afford not to have a mobile app in today's day and age. It would be very economically unwise or more, like more so stubborn of you mm, because yeah. like it's it's simple math. It's like if you could increase 5% revenue on an established business, that's a lot of money. And 5% isn't an exaggeration. That's probably like a low percentage that would, you know, happen. Right. Server costs nowadays are nothing. The entire cost is just getting the app up in the first place. Right. That's not to say you can't survive without a mobile app. You yeah. definitely can, especially like if you're like just a single restaurant or something. Sure. And there's ways too to get around like not having a mobile app, but still having a mobile app presence. Like you could use a company that has like Groupon or something like that. You know, that has a bunch of companies in there, but you place an ad in there and you still have a mobile app presence, but you don't have a mobile app. So like that's kind of there, but. We talked to some companies um, in London when we were at that conference, the food and beverage conference. They were a single restaurant, and they were building an app. So mm. I think 
that in the next few years you'll especially start to see a lot of like smaller companies building apps yeah. as it becomes easier to build apps cheaper yeah cheaper and especially as like younger people who use the mobile phone all the time start to become business owners they will start to be more of a trend towards having a mobile app for sure yeah especially as like phone I don't have a problem. I used to be very conservative on apps I put on my phone, but now my phone has like 256 gigabytes. Yeah. It has like more memory than my computer, so I don't care. I just download everything. Yeah. So, yeah, I think more people are downloading more and more apps. You'd upgrade apps are, your computer, bro. <laughs> right. <laughs> more and more people are downloading more apps, and the cost to produce an app is less and less. So the decision point is becoming more and more obvious. Right. So guys, a lot has been said on this edition of Simple Tech Talk. We've been with Hunter Brennick, VP of Engineering, and Michael Carlson, VP of Technology. Guys, what do you want to see personally over the next few years? And what do you want to see professionally as it pertains to Board Active? Right. Well, I mean, I think obviously we want to have the company be successful and make money. But it would also be really cool for Board Active to become um, very well known in the marketing community, especially maybe start to have some swag that we give out, some, see some board active sweatshirts and hats around town. That would be really cool. I would love for us to be able to exit this company on a, on a high note and be proud of what we've done. I would say that I would love in the next few years for board active to finally get the respect and recognition it deserves for the product that it is. To me, it's impressive, and I think that considering our space and our competition, it is overlooked, and I would like to see that change in the next three years. Guys, this has been one of my favorite podcasts to record. Connect with us on the socials at Board Active and at Simple Tech Talk Podcast. An absolute pleasure having you guys in the studio. Thanks again for yeah. swinging by. This has been fun. My first podcast. Yeah, thanks, Joey. It was great being here. Thanks for listening to Simple Tech Talk. Visit us online at BoardActive.com and follow us on the socials. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.